This is Speaking of Sports, a weekly podcast where we give you our take on sports' biggest stories and news. I'm your host, Ray Shipione, along with Coach Al Harris, Chad the Whiz Kid Grimley, and the Godfather, Chuck Grimley. Speaking of Sports is sponsored by Grimley Financial and produced by wildfirepodcast.com. Hello, everybody. We are back. Well, most of us are. It's the WizKids Chad here. I'll be hosting today's show along with Coach Al and the Godfather Chuck. Well, that's at least what Ray calls him. But let's let's start. So we're going to be starting with the Philly Five today. Per usual, we're going to hit on the major Philly sports action going on right now. So let's start with the uh, the Eagles. So. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, let me start here. Something that I didn't really hear a lot in the media this week. I was surprised to actually research this. I'm not sure how familiar everyone is. The NFL announced in December this international home marketing areas. is a new initiative granting teens access to these international territories for marketing, global brands, stuff like that. Fast forward to Tuesday, the NFL announces that the Eagles can begin launching their global brand initiative in Australia, Ghana, and New Zealand making the Eagles the first team granted access to Africa. Because they need to get bigger. This is the NFL, their products and everything they do. Well, they're, they're really trying to grow the international brand here. Right. I mean, Jeffrey Lurie's comments were, were all over it. He said the Eagles organization were privileged, were sure. honored to have the one of the most passionate fan bases. We're looking for opportunities to connect new fans. You know, with the NFL identifying Australia, New Zealand, and Ghana as emerging markets, we see a tremendous opportunity. Look, it's a slam dunk by the Eagles here being the first team in Africa doing this. So, really. I know the CEO of uh, Judge Corporation, Mar- Marty Judge. I believe he's been over in Japan uh, for years trying to organize uh, a league and coordinate that whole thing. Um, and I think it's like 10 years old, that initiative. But yeah. This is the next outreach. This is a sort of a, a natural thing, and uh, just imagine how big it's going. How many more billions it's going exactly. to add in, in revenue, and not to mention opportunity. Um, exactly. When will we see our our first foreign player, the elk of what, what can you imagine? Well, right. if you want to compare to basketball, I mean, uh, well, we we sent the coaches over there years ago yeah. to teach them this game, and now. You yeah. look through the rosters of NBA teams. There's a lot mm-hmm. of great players. It's a good. It's a good fit for the Eagles here too, because we already have ties with Australia, New Zealand, well, uh, kickers, with a couple right? of natives. Yeah. Well, well, just even Jordan Maialata, right? For example, and there's a couple more like Matt Leo on the team as well. I think there's like three, you know, three players or so. But really, just kind of interesting news that I didn't really hear a lot about this week and what was otherwise a relatively quiet week for the well, Eagles as we get going here. I don't know about quiet, Wiz. There's a lot of talk about certainly the Eagles winning the division. Now people are talking about advancing. It uh, it seems like what they're saying or what the collective thought process is is that the Eagles are ready to go deep if the quarterback progresses. That everything else is there. Al? Well, I heard Chris Sims, who unfortunately didn't have the talent his father had, <coughs> declare that he in his poll or in his mind, whatever, that Hertz was the 25th ranked starting quarterback in the league. That's troubling to me. Very, very I, I troubling. I don't believe it, first of all. No, I don't either. 
But and here's the thing too. Well, They've surrounded him now with a lot more things. So you got to give this young man to see what he does with the extra receivers and the D backs and the defense and the linebackers and so forth. So it's a perfect situation to see how he can progress. And then you make your decision. Excuse me, when you have the two number one picks the year afterwards, if you think you have to move up and get now, a did he qualify how he got there? You know, when people put a stat out and say twenty fifth ranked, he's responsible enough to tell you what he's talking about, what metric, pass completion. No, I think that's overall, just, his, just his opinion. The, the rating numbers, you know, because I re, I don't remember him that low. He may have been. He Jim? had him below Daniel Jones, four spots below Daniel Jones. Yeah, I know the Wiz is, is feverishly bringing it up right now. Yeah, he did. He had him below Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and then Trevor Lawrence, one spot above him. <laughs> That's hmm. well, okay. That's concerning it, for sure. It, it yeah. would appear that uh, Chris isn't really a uh, Eagles fan, or maybe a Jalen Hurts <laughs> fan here. <laughs> well, we've definitely given him more uh, talent, skill positions. Uh, the team, in my opinion, has addressed all their needs. Um, I th- I think they they have such a soft schedule. I don't, you know, Vegas is normally right, and uh, they've upped it to nine wins. I gotta tell you, if I had to make one bet today that I thought was safe, of course you'd like to think any bet's safe, right? That's why you make it. I I just love the Eagles in the over. I mean, I I've looked at the schedule again, and I I just can't see how they're not at least ten or eleven. It almost looks too easy. Too easy. And that's mm-hmm. what the back of your mind starts. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. These yeah. guys in Vegas aren't wrong too often. No, they're right. not. No, right, they're right. Not. You know, the, and they usually nail it, you know. But it's uh, – you know what they're saying? They don't have the confidence in the quarterback. That yeah. I think that's oh, yeah. the bottom line. Or the coach. Yep. Yeah. That's or what, if – and, of course, Ray's not here this week because he'd love to mention that name. Uh, if, if The, the mustache man. <laughs> if the quarterback gets hurt, where do they go? Right. Michelle yeah, exactly. would get him two wins. That's for you, Ray. Yeah, who knows? All right, let's move on to the Sixers here. I'm going to start with a fun fact before we dive into a little more NBA Sixers talk, really. So this came from actually one of our friends. There have only been two players voted top two in MVP voting who didn't end up making the all-NBA first team (coughs) over the last 15 seasons. (laughs) It was Joel Embiid in 2020-2021 season, and then Joel Embiid this season. So only person in the last 15 years, top two in MVP voting, who didn't make the all-NBA first team. And, Chad, I think the problem with that is they vote a center, two forwards, and two guards. You should be the best five players, simple as that. Exactly. Where does it the, say you have to say, oh, the center? So all of a sudden, Josic's number one, mm-hmm. and Bede's two, or Giannis, it's – the, the NBA it's today an antiquated voting system. The, exactly. The NBA today is more positionless than ever. I mean, you see guys point. who are centers Good taking point. the ball up the court. How often did LeBron back in the day as a small forward take the ball up the court? Kevin Durant take the ball up the court. NBA. Are they the point guards? Are they the forwards? You really don't have a defined position for them because they're just doing everything, even Embiid. But the All-NBA team, it's, oh, you need one center. Well, it can't be Embiid then. So, yeah, it's an antiquated system. They're going to have to change it to be the top five best players, which naturally Embiid was in. But he didn't make it. I was just wondering a little bit, Al. You know, you and I are dressed the way we typically do for the podcast, and the wig shows up, and, and uh, you know. And we oh, got we're on the, video We today. got the video going today. How much does Embiid hurt himself every time he talks? There's no leadership. The, the, the whole culture setting with every time he's – 
love another player on our team. We never should have put for the he did it again this week. Hum- it's irresponsible. You know, imagine a Schmidt talking like that about teammates or, or the team itself or Rose or any of your your big leaders. I mean, every time he opens his mouth, he seems to hurt himself. L- let's go to it then. Let's go to the tweet during the last Celtics Heat game. Uh, dur- I think it was during the game towards the end or right after. Joel B tweets out, Miami needs another star. Now, if you heard about this the past couple days, 90% of people, if not more, believe this was a joke, not an indication that Embiid wants to leave Philly. I think he followed that up saying, like, y'all are clowns or, you know, something like that or after that, but um, saying basically it was a joke. But Howard Eskin responded to him, and not a lot of people are talking about Howard's response. Howard says, hey, bro, you need to grow up and act like a pro. Your childish cryptic tweets are not charming or funny. Work in a circus if you want to be a clown. Not fair to Sixers fans. Following up with this tweet is ridiculous. Okay, y'all are stupid, LMAO. That's what. Obviously, Eskins recovered from the bike fall. Yeah. (laughs) In spades. Well, you heard his hip, not his lip. I'll tell you, that was scary last week, though. On the radio show live, and you just hear it. You almost heard it, and he could have really been hurt. Yeah. But he's accurate, and I don't know how you build around that. I don't know how your other teammates now fuse that chemistry and culture and want to get your back and bust their tail for you, all the things it takes to have a winning clubhouse uh, locker room. I I don't – Embiid seems like he's setting it up for either a trade. um, It's just that he's becoming a malcontent, and that's not what you need from your franchise player. And and I think it hurts systemically – through everything the Sixers do. He's I think tr- Joel can have like a three-year window here. You know, there's big guys like that that get hurt a lot and hit the floor a lot. They don't well, play till they're 38. Yeah, well, let's so. talk about Jim's got a comment. I want to come back to Al. Oh, yeah, sure. Jim. Joel's a troll, and yeah. he's self-proclaimed troll. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he loves getting the attention on Twitter. Yeah. That's what he does. Here, here's here's my problem. Good I, word, Jim. Troll. I feel, and I, th- I don't troll. think I'm alone, the I feel like Joel would rather play with Jimmy Butler than he would play with almost every single person on no, the Sixers roster. No the, even the, like the a ju- Maxi. Yeah, the jury return you, you don't feel like he loves Philly. Like he just it's like he likes it a lot, but it could he be somewhere else? He probably wouldn't be disappointed. I don't know what the right term is necessarily. You, you just don't feel the leadership. I think he's a leader on the team, but I don't think he's a very good it, one at if all. If somebody woke up and said, we know Harden's not the meal ticket to a championship, and, I, and anybody that disagrees with that, call the show. But what the heck would you get for Embiid in a trade-out? Oh, you'd get a lot. <laughs> but the thing is, with that number one pick where they can't do first-round trades till 2029, right. and Joel's got to be losing res- the respect of some of his has to right teammates right. has to be right and i'm sure management does i mean like troll so, is a good word the so world's world's largest troll so jim but it's not that funny it's great to have you in the mix jim where where's the organization go now then i have no idea al where do we go <laughs> from here well you got to try and sit tight but they only have like six million to play with so it they are they going to be able to convince maybe a ten million dollar player that likes the Philadelphia setup that maybe would I can make yeah. a difference? And I'll tell you, so- tell you so- what they don't have. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Chad. If you can bring up the Golden State Warriors postseason stats, 
which I looked at a couple times. I've always said um, that if you don't have the guys to knock down the threes in postseason, there's been a few games where the team that didn't have the highest three-point shooting percentage won, but they were close regardless. But you had a game the other night where Dallas was 7 for 42 or something from three-point land. The, the Golden State, if you read the three-point shooting percentages postseason. Yeah, yeah uh, Clay Thompson's at 40, uh, Jordan Poole's at 39, Curry's 38, and Wiggins is 35. Yeah. Some of the big ones there. There's 40. There's 39, 38.5. You got to knock down threes, uh, and we got the big guy. But if you can't knock down threes under unbelievable pressure defense, rotate the ball, doing what you do, ball screens, if you don't have the guys, two guys to knock down threes, you're not winning an NBA championship. I said that eight years ago when the process started. I'm All right, we, we got to move on from the Sixers here. Um, Al had his hand up. No, that's one good reason. Like Wiggins. Wiggins, as their third or fourth best player, has really blossomed. Oh, yeah, he they has. They wanted him to be number two behind Carl Anthony Towns and so forth. Right. And a year or two ago, who's this pool? Yeah. So when you got Thompson, yeah. who's finally back in stride, Curry being his normal self, when you're the third and fourth option and you're that good, that's why they're so successful. Pool, jo- pool was in the deep end. He's only 22 as well. I mean, that's pretty scary. That's what I'm saying, yeah, but you scary. didn't know who let's, he was a year or let's, two ago. Let's rock the Phillies. Well, okay, you want to go to the Phillies for the Flyers? All right, we'll we'll do it. Okay, let's look at some of the Phillies numbers here. Past, uh, well, season to date. Their offense remains one of the best in baseball from most statistical measures, really. Uh, but they've naturally been struggling recently. Uh, look at Let's dive into their pitching, though, because we got some interesting stuff on their pitching. Before we get to pitching, can I just touch on the offense there? Go ahead. This has been a roller coaster offense, uh, feast or famine. Nine runs against Colorado, then one and eight. I mean, they, they can't seem to get a medium average, of, you know, where they need to be to, to win. Um, I'll say this: they're averaging four runs on the road. That's the first time the offense is averaged four runs on the road in a long while. And through this very difficult 33 game. Uh, schedule they've got, and it is brutal. We talked about this a couple podcasts ago. They're one game under 500. Uh, I believe it's 10 and 11. Now, this continues, you know, for another couple weeks, and the road doesn't get any easier. But they could come out of that gauntlet, the 33-game bid, and be around 500. They have, I know I'm going to sound like a, you know, a, a desperate, diehard Phillies fan once again, but the remaining schedule is in their favor tremendously with a bunch of games against the Nats and and the likes of Pirates. Uh, I mean, it is an unbelievable uh, break for the Phillies. And so far, they're playing 500. I didn't think the team would play 500 baseball through this 33 games because you're talking about, you know, the Dodgers, Atlanta, away. there are a lot of away games. So far, so good. Um, are, are you saying you you're – yeah, you Now you got the Mets – Right. That's all part the, of it. You got the Giants. You got so Milwaukee. I, re- I really yeah. think after this, if they Angels, come, yes, if they come up really looking horrible, for lack of better words, in, in these series, I think then the Joe Musco thing will be. Well, the Joe Musco thing, hundred percent. That's instead of ninety-five. That stamps out. That ship has sailed. Everybody, <clears throat> and say what you will about Joe, 
Uh, and I think what he's doing with the, the pitch restriction, pitcher restrictions and all that. Last night, for instance, was Nola at 108. Here's what happens. You don't let Noel try to finish the game and maybe get up to 116. You bring Knable in, and I think he was 13 last night, Chad. He won't use him now. He may shelf him for two days. If you don't bring him in last night and you let Noel get up to the, the higher than you would like pitch count, I don't think his season comes down to eight more pitches or ten more pitches. And now you got the guy you want in New York – I mean, the Dodgers did that last weekend. They brought uh, their closer in, uh, Kimbrell, in Friday night's game, I believe it was, where it was 4-1. to one. And I thought, I don't think you need to bring him in right here. You won't pitch him now Sunday if you use him Saturday. They used him Saturday, and how much did they need him Sunday against the Phillies? They didn't have their closer. So you really have to be smart about when you bring the guy. I think Noel could have finished it last night, a little risky, granite, Joe, but then you got your guy, you got your closer. Now we burned him. We'll hear him say, Knable's not available in the Mets game. Two to one lead, Knable's not available. That's well, the story well, of the season. I think the game where Nelson came in and threw a nice eighth inning, so all of a sudden you're going to go. But the mentality of a closer and an eighth inning picture is a whole. There's new problems ballgame. with the bullpen. Ned. What do you got on that, bud? Well, this is. It's terri- terrifying when you look at the numbers with the bullpen. This, the overall ERA for the entire Phillies, starters, relievers, it's 4.05. It's 23rd in baseball. Their starter ERA is 3.84. That's 13th. Their starter strikes per nine is fourth best. Their starter walks per nine is the fourth best in baseball. Now, their reliever ERA is 22nd in baseball, 4.21. Now, this is fascinating. The reliever strikeouts per nine innings is 9.87. That's fourth best in baseball. You hear that number four a lot. The starter strikes per nine is fourth best. The starter walk per nine is fourth best. The reliever uh, K per nine, fourth best. But the reliever walks per nine. This is where the Phillies are falling apart. The reliever walks per every nine innings is 4.90. That is the worst in baseball. And the next closest team is almost 8% lower at the Reds at 4.51. Basically, the Phillies relievers are walking guys roughly 40% higher than the MLB average. 40% higher. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a killer and can't be. I mean, they're afraid to throw strikes. They don't, can't control their stuff, don't trust their stuff, fall behind all the time, and you're putting hitters into a hitter's position. Uh, advantageous to them. Al? It's amazing because a month or two ago, we're worried about the Phillies starters. They've yeah. been excellent. Excellent. And, yeah. the, and how psychologically does it hurt when you throw a good six, seven innings and all yeah. of a sudden they blow a lead? Brutal. And, and, I mean, Nola's record is great to see. His Boop. his ERA was Boop. under four going into last night, so it's less now. Yeah. But we, the wins don't show up. Before we close the Phillies, will Girardi be here throughout the season, yes or no? No. 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 All right. All right. We're moving on to the Flyers. That's four no's right there. And we're going to say Ray voted no as well because we can control that's that vote because he's not here. So that's five votes. We feel it. All right. The Flyers. Jim, why don't you lead us off? What, what do we got here? What's the head coach status? What are we thinking? Is it okay if I go to the men's rumor? So the latest rumors is that John Tortorella is the legit, has a legitimate shot at m- winning this job. The other candidates are Kirk Muller, David Quinn, 
um, Rick Tockett, Barry Trotz, Scott Sandlin. I mean, there's they're interview. They're doing their due diligence. They don't want to have to get another coach after this one. They want this guy to last because they've had five coaches since 2013. Wow, five coaches. I mean, that's insanity. I'm hearing that at least on WIP, they want Trots. Is that is that the consensus? I think they want Trots. I don't know if Trots wants them. Right. That's the issue because it's a rebuilding team. It's not a win-now team. Mm-hmm. So they need somebody who wants to grow with them, who's going to go through some low times and not, you know, have their job threatened. They they want somebody who's going to be they need patience. They need a coach with patience who can build these guys up and know that this is right. a three- to five-year process. Ray, you're going to agree with me. Trotz and Tortorella are both very much take-charge guys. They need somebody to come in and really shake things up and just see what they have there. And maybe I think you're going to see a Ben Reams like go and this and that. They're going to – I mean, you're going to have heart, good, but you have to have great defense – Otherwise, no goalie's going to stop all the shots, and I, they just have to really start over in a lot of aspects. But the coach is going to be a hands-on guy with going to command the respect of all these young players. And if the the coach isn't successful, the next coach, then uh, the GM has uh, to go. Uh, it's just a merry-go-round, guys. I mean, it's a disgrace. But I remember. I mean, I, I listen. I don't follow them closely. Everybody knows that. But I remember they weren't big enough. Then they weren't big and fast. They didn't have the skill players. They didn't have the goaltending. Then they had to go back to being uh, more physical. It's like a cycle. Now they need a tough, kick-ass coach. They had the perfect team I mean, in 2010 without the goalie. They went out and they got Chris Pronger to solidify the defense. They had great young offense, and they had absolute garbage in goal. So they've never been able to solve that. So now apparently they've solved the goalie problem, and now they have garbage on offense and defense. So I think what we're developing here, we don't know it, nobody's saying it yet, was Al's a, a, a Philly hex. Think about it. Phillies have, I think, the worst aggregate record ever and can't deliver. There's, there's two world championships. Eagles finally, after 50-year void, everything falls right. All the stars and gals. I mean, talk about things aligning right for the Eagles. Uh, it still happened. Still happened. Still happened. Oh, I knew you were going to clip me on that. If it still fluke, happened. Okay. Fluke's the most common fish in the sea. One, and we're going back to 76 for, for the Flyers. Add them all up. The over-under totals, eight. Uh, <laughs> we, we, it's a major market town the franchises don't deliver championships what is it well they've had two key players and you just touched on one with pronger pronger was acknowledged six five two thirty whatever as the guy going to come in and then when he got hurt with the concussions that really hurt them bad and before that lindros and you put a hex a bad hex with two great players that really messed things up over a generate generational players yeah, all of exactly. famers that's the word generation and that's what you need that's what you need now you need a young generational player to build around they Did don't I, have it am i wrong in thinking i i recollect like three years ago hearing about this bumper crop of young players, the Flyers had drafted that are coming up that were unbelievable. Yeah, that was all Hextall. Hextall drafted all these guys that everybody thought was fan- they were fantastic, and they've all turned out to be completely I mediocre. remember Al Morgani. Uh, of course, Al 
any type of flyer excitement that Al loses. But, but I remember Al Morgani saying, you're not going to believe this. This guy, not, I'm listening to this one morning going, hey, they're going to be really good. I mean, Al's going off on like seven, nine names that are all young kids that are coming up. You don't hear anything else. Well, <laughs> you took Nolan Patrick, right? Number two overall. That set the team back five years, at you, least five years. You know, there, there's no doubt the Flyers are – are the biggest disgrace in, in Philadelphia sports right oh, now. And they have been for a while. Absolutely. There, there's no change to that, unfortunately. Absolutely. All right. Here goes five viewers. All right. Now, I, I wanna, I'm want i going to take my pre-overtime here. Before we even get into a topic, I'm taking my overtime. There's something on the Phillies I wanted to hit on that we didn't quite get to before we get into our topics for today. And I'm going to go back to the old reliable Kyle Schwarber. Time's yours. Currently has a 194 batting average. Now, there are 21 players in baseball right now with at least 100 plate appearances that have batting averages higher than Kyle's Schwarber's on-base percentage. Let me say that again. Kyle's on-base percentage is 308. There are a there are 21 players who have batting averages higher than that. Yet Kyle Schwarber has been our leadoff guy 36% of the time this year. Do you mean 21 in all of baseball or in the Phillies? 21 in all of baseball that have batting averages higher than Kyle Schwarber's on-base percentage. Okay. They're hitting higher you. than he's getting yeah. on base. You flipped me there for a second. I got you. Yeah. And he yeah. also has 58 strikeouts, yeah. which is third highest in baseball. Well, that's what I'm focused on. And the fact that they've used him in the leadoff spot. I mean, how many, I've been on the radio saying it to him blue in the face. Everything you look at him, uh, assess him by, whether it's late and close, that's late and close in a baseball game, high leverage pitching, guys that can come in and throw, you know, plus 96 miles an hour, lefty elites, leading off. Two strikes, whether it be 0, 2, 1, 2, 2, 2, 3, doesn't matter. All those averages are between 100, 110 and 150, all of them in that silo. The fact that we use this guy as a leadoff hitter, and, and he's got great career numbers with, as a four-hitter, they're, right? They're fantastic. They're, they are Put really in there, he's like a 275 go. hitter, great power numbers, OPS. 930 OPS. He's a great four-hitter. That's where he belongs. But And recently, this is why Joe has to go. Hoskins has been the leadoff hitter recently. And when you look at just Segura versus Hoskins, here are the re- all the reasons why Segura should be leadoff hitter over Hoskins. I'm anxious to hear well, this. Well, A, he's faster. He has a 297 batting average versus Hoskins 222. Segura is 350 on base versus Hoskins 300. Segura has an 800 OPS, well, just shy, versus Hoskins 716. Segura has six stolen bases versus Hoskins zero. All of those say, hey, put Segura in the leadoff spot. But you know why Girardi doesn't? Because Girardi is just blinded by using data or analytics, whatever you want to call it, in the wrong way. Segura has 10 walks this year, and Hoskins has 19. And because of that, Hoskins is our leadoff hitter, which is an absolute disgrace and part of the reason why the Phillies are doing as bad as they are this year. Because how often does the leadoff hitter turn the lineup around with two outs and men on base and get out? It's been fun, guys. Thanks. I'm going to check out here. <laughs> no, that's why Segura well can done. hit righties and lefties. And exactly. We'll, we'll all agree. Segura, Bone, Harper, and then Schwarber. How yeah. tough is that? It's not. It's, it's not really not out. that hard. It's not. It's tough. not that hard. And for him to make it so complicated, and how many different lineups have we had in a number of games? I mean, what what do you know? If he wants to rely on information, data, analytics, then you know where Schwarber's got to be, and you know by process of elimination who your leadoff hitter's got to be. Harper's going to be your two. Another high batting average is going to be three, so it could have been Bohm. I, I think Harper should be three, but you can make an argument. I think it yeah, should be Bohm two, Harper three. Right, we won't dive into the four. But there you go. 
to plug in the next high bat and average five, look at your lefty-righty situation, of course, and build your lineup. Let these guys talk like Boa and, and um, Rose used to do all yeah. the time before, the, you know, knowing what the pitchers were doing, what the proclivities are, all the nuances in the game, which are a million – let these guys get used to each other in a lineup. Heaven's sakes, Joe. Yeah, but you're, you're coming out every day and you don't know if you're in the lineup yeah. and where you are in the lineup. Yeah. It gets yeah. in the brain All right. a little bit. Uh, Jim, I think Girardi's firing himself, to tell you the truth. I really do. <laughs> All right, we got to move out. on from the Phillies here. Yep. I'm sure we'll yep. circle back. Now, yep. uh, first official topic of the day here now. Uh, we're going to turn the, uh, the clock off on this one here. This is some really troubling situation that – no, devastating situation that happened earlier this week. Um in light of the really awful, devastating, the million words that describe it, shooting in Texas that has unfortunately now left 19 children and two adults um, killed. Warriors Steve Coach, Steve Kerr, visibly upset and really just infuriated in a uh, pregame uh, interview or press conference a couple days ago. He call called out many U.S. senators saying, I ask you guys, are you going to put your own desire for power ahead of the lives of our children, our elderly, our churchgoers? Because that's, that's, that's what it looks like. I mean, w w he says, I'm fed up. I've had enough. We can't get numb to this, referencing sh these shootings happening. We can't sit here and read about it and say, let's have a moment of silence. Like, n now, like, we need action. Now, before we proceed further, and uh, at the risk of anyone listening, maybe discounting Kerr, just please know that his, his father was unfortunately shot and killed in 1984. Uh, the topic of gun control is, is one very personal to him, one he's been a long-time advocate for. Um, and if you see what his press conference the other day, he was he, he actually stormed so off. He was just I mean, we're all this devastated by this, but um, and he's not making it political. No, what, what background checks? I what mean. what Kerr is referencing is there. There's dozens, about 50, I think he says, senators in Washington refusing to vote on legislation for enhanced back background checks. Now, Poll Research Center did a 2021 study. Eighty seven percent of Americans support preventing people with mental illness from buying guns. 81% support making private gun sales and sales at gun shows subject to background checks. Now, even if passed, no one can say for sure whether that would have changed its tragedy from Keep Tuesday from occurring. Right. But when you're looking at the entire history of mass shootings, there's no doubt this legislation saves many lives. I, w when I saw this data earlier this week, I was so troubled by this. There have been 214 mass shootings this year in America. That's a one and a half a day. There was one in Philadelphia two days ago. No one probably heard about it. Because it's it's not even reported on their stuff. I mean, it is, but there's, there's so many per day. How are they defining mass? Not to make a mass it, shooting not, defined by Congressional Research Center is a multiple firearm multiple. homicide incident involving four or more victims. Okay, four or more. Okay. Four or more. Thi just this year, there have been 27 mass shootings. That's, uh, that's in 2017. There were 340. In 2021, there were close to 700. I mean, and what Kerr is referencing is something called HR8. Yeah. It's a House bill that would expand background checks to include private gun sales and gun show sales. This measure passed the House in 2019. There's about 435 people in the House. I, I, I don't know all the rules to it, but to pass it, eight Republicans joined and 232 Democrats voted for it. But it didn't have a path in the Senate. It got shot down. It was reintroduced in the House and passed again with bipartisan support in 2021. And then this past December, uh, Connecticut... Uh, Senator Chris Murphy tried to pass it by unanimous consent, but was blocked by the uh, by the Senate. Um, and here's what's really troubling. Currently in Texas, you can legally buy an AR-15 rifle at 18 years old. Yeah, you got to tell me something different. But you have you to be 21 years old to buy a handgun. 
You can buy an AR-15 at 18, but you can't buy a handgun until 21 because that's federal law. And it doesn't federal law doesn't talk about the AR-15 rifle. You can buy at 18. I think I'm a fairly bright guy. Um, would someone tell me why an 18-year-old would need? That's like basically like a machine gun. Th- there is no reason any citizen should need to own an AR-15. When, if, when, if the that's soldiers, that's soldiers from the Vietnam War have talked about AR-15s when they were really popular. I mean, they are popular, but like in the in the wartime, they've recounted those those the abilities of that gun as exploding bodies on impact. It just yeah. absolutely it's disgusting how it shreds people apart. P- police have no chance against them. Oh, not not and, and, and but why should any normal citizen be allowed to have this? Yeah, it's and it's and the the, gu- the gun maker who Daniel. Defense posted an, a photo of a toddler holding one of these AR-15 rifles just before it was bought from him by the guy who, who went into the school in, in, in Uvalde, Texas. And I hope our viewers, and, and we thank you for an expanding base each week, and we're getting great feedback. I hope you all know we're, we're not trying to politicize this thing at all. We have a very, very staunch rule here. We're not going to do that, and we, we haven't done that yet. Uh, we won't. Uh, but this issue... The fact that it's not being addressed, the, the stuff that Chad just talked about, it's just mind-boggling in view of the increase of these mass shootings. Um, it's disgusting. I'm with Kerr 100%. I, give me a reason why an 18-year-old can get one of these, you know, high-power weapons. I wonder about if a young person's trouble. It, are these copycat-type things? My claim to fame and they're they, just getting they, picked on in school no doubt they are. horrible home life. That's what but the yet, other yet there's so many youngsters brought up because the hunting community throughout the country with the NRA where kids are hunting out west especially and yeah. so forth these kids are brought up that way to be and it, but you just can't well, I guess you can't say can't but you just shouldn't be able to sell guns unless the word extensive background check but. Hunting with an AR-15 is like fishing with a net. Yeah, there's I really mean, no sport in yeah. it. There's no sport. We have a there's no point. need. There's no no need. need. No, if and you want to get a hunting rifle, a handgun to protect yourself, all for that. There's no reason any anyone should need an AR-15. That gun is designed for one purpose and one purpose only, and it's to kill someone. That is the purpose of that gun. And when the Constitution was written 250 years ago, exactly, they had muskets. Yeah. They said, okay, yeah. yeah, you know what? Everybody should be able to defend yeah. themselves. Yeah, defend yourself. Yeah, yeah right. sure. I'm all for the, that. The concept Absolutely. of an AR-15 wasn't even around then. They could no. not have envisioned the that The concept future. of a handgun yeah. wasn't even around, like a semi-automatic handgun. But that's the defense these people are using to say, oh, it's our First Amendment right. Well, yeah, not an AR-15. That's not your First Amendment right. No. But no, I think that you go way, way back, right, Is where... The to right to bear political? arms. Money. Get the musket. You have one now. Don't you have a musket? I got some things musky around the house, but not muskets. <laughs> oh, boy. This is, yeah, we're not making light of anything here, but, boy, I'll tell you a little levity because it's just unbelievable. Yeah. It's just, uh, it is mind-blowing. You don't know what you can do to help other than awareness. We talk about it for that reason, awareness, that's all. Maybe, once again, maybe we move the needle, you know, immeasurably. But if, if more people are talking about it to do something, the greater cause, right? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, Everybody I mean, some should hear Steve Kerr's. I yeah. mean, you can yeah. just see it in him and everything. Everybody connected with guns or not guns should see the hurt on this yeah. man's face. 
Yeah. And how 100% and, and uh, true it was. And his whole point, that one sentence that really hit me, we can't get numb to this. We can't get just used to this happening, going, oh, it's another one. Like, it's uh, hearts and prayers doesn't get you very far. We need action. And hearts and prayers from, you know, the citizens and all that, but the, the politicians who are making yeah. these changes, they need to go further than that. But all right. not making the changes. Exactly. Making, That's yeah. the problem. So, all right, really tough topic there to start, to start off. Um, again, hopefully something changes in the not Switch too distant to future. Switch to one here much lighter. A much, much uh, happier topic yeah. here. We have uh, the famous Philadelphia and really, I think, almost around the country. Uh, Ray Didinger tribute here. He's retiring. He's 75 years old. He's retiring this week. I'll open it up to you guys here. Do we have any good Ray stories? I mean, this guy is a legend around Philadelphia. Really, more than that. What do we got? You look at Ray Diddy and the knowledge is off the charts and so forth. I was very surprised to find out that in 1984, he played with the Phillies Dream Week down there. with, And here he played professionally with a team called the Philadelphia A's. I don't think wow. he was a premier player. A good, good friend of mine and player Bill Nuller played on that team. And uh, I've talked to Ray Diddy on the phone a couple times as far as Bill Nuller goes. But I was very surprised just looking at Ray Diddy. And it's not fair, but he just didn't look like he was a, a baseball player. Yeah. Um, you know, two words, class act. I mean uh, – I told him one time, I said, gee, uh, Ray, you, you publish books, you uh, make plays, <laughs> commentators, sports expert, you know, what do you do with your spirit? Talk about a guy that gets a good check for or uses time efficiently. Uh, he, you know, he's always been extremely knowledgeable. He's, he, is, uh, he is a class act. Um, we don't agree. I got him riled up one time on Bobby Abreu, you know, I'm, I'm for the obvious reasons, he said he didn't pass the eye test, but he's well researched. Um, he's on point, I, and I think he's fair. Um, you know, I think he's always been fair. Uh, Philadelphia has embraced him; they love him. It's a giant void when a guy like that uh, retires because they're they're hard shoes to to, to fill. Um, you know, we're going to miss him dearly, and I think he's always. When the when this Eagles won the Super Bowl, I think I saw him cry for the first time. Um, he tries not. He keeps his emotions in check, although at times the Eagles have frustrated him where you, you've seen that come out. The postgame show is just unbelievable when the Eagles aren't winning. Um, but hats off to, uh, to Ray Diddy for an unbelievable career in, in many capacities. Um, I mean, just once again, I go back to – just a class act. You can't say that about a lot of people. He's a class act. He really I wonder is. how upset the people that sell yellow pads are going to be. With yeah, going to be way down there. Oh yeah, up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, how d how different is the Eagles post game going to be now? Not having race yeah. insights on. Yeah, there. that's fair. I mean, he was a staple in yeah. that post game yeah. for, yeah. for just so long. In between there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Ray, you had an unbelievable career. I'm sure we're going to see him around we'll Philadelphia see him. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, He's not going to be gone. We're going to get him but. on the show. We're gonna That'd be awesome. That'd yep. be so awesome. Yep. All right, our third topic here today. If you didn't check this game out, at least go look at the box score. It's something else. This past Tuesday, the Mets played the Giants in what may be one of the most, no, one of the best games of the year. The Mets lost the game 13 to 12. It was the first loss in Mets history when they scored 12 oh, or right. more runs. They lost 13 to 12. Their record going into this game was 180 and 0 oh. when they scored 12 or more runs. The 37 combined hits were the most in any game this season. 
and there were 15 combined runs over the final three innings. I mean, this is, it, it's games like this that Slo- bring back the fun in baseball. Yeah. Slow-pitch softball. It, it's Slow nuts. Slow-pitch softball. Yeah, uh, I, I watched uh, that game, and it was absolutely incredible. The plays, the plays at home plate, the throws, uh, it, it, it was amazing. And uh, what came – can you imagine if Major League Baseball now they're not going to be thirteen twelve obviously? Uh, do, do you have the time of game? Is that can we get the time? I'll of look, game I'll on look that? real quick. Yeah, I, I, somebody told me I think they played under four hours, which still that's a long baseball game, but thirteen twelve. But can you imagine uh, more enough offense to think that every now and then you'll you'll see that more more commonly. Three hours and fifty minutes. So yeah. Was, yeah, I didn't know that. So Can you imagine if every game was three hours and fifty yeah, minutes yeah. and twenty-five runs were scored combined? Well, would the fans take four hours of baseball off or like that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Thirteen to twelve. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's your four-hour dose of Major League Baseball at higher entertainment level. Go produce twenty-five yeah. runs. Yeah. Go go produce twenty-five runs yeah. in baseball. It'll be good. But uh, listen, to how intense this game was. In the top of the eighth, the Mets scored seven runs. Yeah. Giants come back in the bottom of the eighth, right. score three. Mets come up to the top of the ninth and score a run to looks like go ahead twelve eleven. And then the Giants come back in the bottom of the ninth on their home field, score two runs. I assume there's a walk off hit in there. I didn't see how it ended. But just an absolutely insane game. And you, let's give Cap a little bit Gabe of credit. Gabe Kaplan, you are the man. That's no, what I was seriously. Just about to say. We <laughs> talk about what Embiid does to the locker room in terms of galvanizing, making guys want to do better. Hear players say, I want to please that coach. I play harder for him. It means your concentration is a little bit better. I'm going to win this at bat. No one's going to get me out, stuff like that. Why do these Giants come back so much at home? It's not because of a lineup at all, a bunch of 300 hitters. I mean, last year they were unbelievably resilient at home. Cap, when he was in Philly, talked about warriors and, and you know, getting together in the clubhouse atmosphere and all that stuff and never quit and grinding at bats. See, exactly that, what they're doing in San Francisco. That maybe he's cult- got all the players using that oil. Um, you don't um, know. <laughs> that culture, though, that whole, like, Warriors, we got this mentality, that works in California. It does. That's the that's the mindset out there, and that, that sounds like a silly point. And for younger players. For younger yeah. players. Yeah. Philadelphia doesn't buy into that. They probably should, but it's working. And yeah. Yeah. Look, all I'm saying is I'd rather have Capital than Girardi right now. Oh, I don't think you'll have pushback anywhere in Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, Andy Reid, I think this was earlier this week yeah. on Jalen Hurts, had a couple brief comments. Said uh, This is Andy Reid. said, Jalen wants to be great sincerely wants to do well and then we have to hang with him now if you listen to it maybe i didn't sell it right he was implying that jalen's gonna get there yeah he's gonna get to this level where maybe not top five elite quarterback enough to be the guy though to take this team deep into the playoffs at least and what do we think is is and we're, again briefly on jalen hurts is well, he gonna be the guy you know you got one year in and you look back on his body of work in college if you can bring it up but i don't think you have to because i think got the numbers committed to memory oklahoma i believe his passing percentage was 70 percent or 67 percent he's done it at the highest level um he's got tremendous he struggled his first year at alabama but he's he demonstrated uh, amongst his other quarterback you know, c- uh, competitors that uh, at the college stage where he was, he was better th- than almost everybody. 
Now he comes into the pro organization, um, and he does okay last year, not fantastic. But what did he do wrong in college not to demonstrate that he's capable of getting better each year? Do you have his college numbers? Yeah, chance? yeah, yeah. Listen At, to this uh, stuff. Freshman year, Alabama, 62% completion yeah, percentage. Second year, down to 60%. Yeah, uh, third year, he's actually Alabama. Again, didn't play much our third year. So I'll just the 72% yeah. didn't play much. Senior what, what year, was though, it though when he did play? 72%. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. 72%. Oh, okay, thanks. And somehow he didn't end up playing. Yeah, uh, well, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I know. He's uh, talking about a, a factory, Alabama. Yeah. Then he, he went to Oklahoma in 2019. Uh Probably his best year. Yeah, 70% completion percentage, 191 rating there, 11.3 yards per attempt, 32 touchdowns. I mean, the guy's got the talent. Um, (laughs) So Reed believes in him. Gee, shocking. Yeah. Yeah. He's got wheels. He's got to get some of the the nuances down of of the accuracy, maybe some of the arm strength nuances. And that's what I'm hoping this 3D camp, if that's that's the name, can get him to that consistent level where he can be more comfortable and look like a traditional quarterback but then fall back on his instincts, his speed, to then take him to that elite level where he can be at least a top-ten quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. yeah, I think he has all the qualities. And with the offensive line where they can do still do the run, and with another receiver, quality receiver, and we hope we never heard the word Rager anymore and things like that. Uh, and I believe just – I mean, it's easy for his teammates to say we believe in him, but I really think he has the respect of the rest of the players on his team and so forth. Yeah. And I think that's very important. Yeah. I'm going to take my overtime here if I can. I know I know we're running away. Can you bring up Roger's uh, numbers? Um, While he's doing that, can I just say, why do sure. we care what Andy Reid has to say? Why well, do we care? Why does everybody care? What if it was Joe Schmo coach out in San Diego saying it? Would it be headlines? Well, I think Andy Reid right now is respected as the best or second best coach in football. But he's not going to come out and say, no, you know what, Jalen Hurts No, sucks. I get you on that. But, he, hey, listen, it, he rallied behind the guy. And, uh, you know, a lot of people push back on everything Andy Reid has to say. But in this case, I think here, here's a, an important point. When you look at the maturation of professional quarterbacks, how difficult this game is. Oh, man, the sciences of the defenses and whatnot. Uh, even with the skill improvement, it's so hard, you know, to become a really elite quarterback. If you look at, like, Rodgers, I may be wrong, Chad's going to go for the first time here tonight. Uh, each year from the beginning, they get better progressively. Can you give me some data? On yeah, I mean, look, he gets he's was always great, but, start, yeah, he gets better. Off. Early in his career, he was, like, 63, 64, okay, that's, that's 65%. Okay, Hurts, 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 Hurts is that now. Okay. Yeah, Where does Rodgers go? couple years, uh, this year he was 69% okay. for that 70.7, yeah. call it 71%, yeah. which led the league. Started I mean, he's, 63, he's elite. I think you said. Your Honor, we rest the defense uh, rest on that. Yeah, give the guy a break. Give the guy, he's probably going to be three to five years to get to his apex. Good you know? point with the three years because yeah. he sat, Roger sat for three years behind yeah. Brett Favre. Yeah. And what he do in college against, you know, elite competition. Now you can look at the conference and say they don't play games. Yeah. California, yeah. I believe. Yeah, Ro- it's Rogers, not the Citadel. Rodgers came into the league in 2005. He didn't start a game until 2008. Yeah. Now, and, yeah, he, had, he the, had a different the, quarterback in front of him and Brett Favre. But the point is, everyone's too impatient now. 
Yeah, you that's a good point. You don't come in as a 23-year-old and be elite. Yeah, like Mahomes may have done that. Certain guys have done that. That's not the norm, though. And we got to just get that, that, that stigma and that expectation out of there. It's not what most guys do. And it doesn't mean we can discount Jalen Hurts. Yeah, or go look at Carson Wentz's numbers. We'll do the same thing. He jumps up to 67. After a 61 and a 59 or something, it takes time to learn how to be great through experience in the NFL as a quarterback. Talk about a tough position in sports. All right, so we're moving on to the NBA here. A lot of drama going on in the NBA. Really some good games, some not-so-good games. Celtics won a huge Game 5 Wednesday. They beat the Heat 93-80. to Jimmy Butler only had 13 points. A pretty disappointing game for him overall, and really the team, team didn't shoot well. Now, it's looking like we're going to have a Celtics-Warriors NBA final. Because the Celtics are up 3-2, to two. there's like an 82% chance they advance. Let's assume the Celtics advance here. Celtics versus the Warriors in the NBA final. I don't know about you guys. I think Golden I like State, it. no matter who's there, I think Golden State's the easy lock to win the NBA finals this year. I would not say easy because of the way the Celtics ramp up the defense now and then. I maintain, and I think the stats bear it out, that it's impossible in the postseason, when they're going to 100%, man, they are going to 100%, which is my, why I'm critical of the regular season, where they don't go 100%. How do you do it game after game after game? And I think they know where they they have to relax that mantra a little bit, but then go back at it the next game. So when Harden's got guys up in his grill at the three-point arc, he's got nowhere to go. And then he goes through a ball screen, and the next two guys are there, Harden thinking, this doesn't happen during the regular season. How am I going to do my step back three? It's not available. So I think with Golden State and their three-point shooters that we talked about averaging 40%, that's the advantage over Boston. But Boston's defense, the three or four of the guys that lock you down, they look at the outcomes, look at the scores. They are unbelievable, and they can score. Yeah, it, can it's, score. it's amazing how Golden State picks up players. I mean, a couple years back, just when you think they can't get better, who do they pick up? Kevin Durant. All right, Durant leaves. Yeah. You know, a couple of years, whatever. Who, who do they have now? Andrew Wiggins. I mean, how do they keep getting these guys? Yeah, there's a difference between Wiggins and Durant, but they're both. Pool. I mean, one's a superstar, one's yeah. a very, very good player. How, they just keep getting guys, though, and they just support Curry and Thompson so well and Draymond out there. Yeah. The team is so balanced, and they shoot so, so well. It's it's They're fun to watch. They really are. Not only that, they've done this, this without a big-name center for years and years. They yeah. need it. Yeah. And to go back to the Celtics, if Marcus Smart's 100%, 100%. healthy and that kid Williams is back full-time at center, they're going to be awful tough to beat. Or are you saying the Celtics would? Don't say awful tough to beat in this show. On this show, you take a stand. I like, well, there's two ifs about the health oh, of those two players. If bets. Okay. Yeah. If okay. Smart's not playing. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah if they're uh, both playing, I'll right, the let, Celtics. Let's go on record. No ifs. Al, who's going to win the NBA championship? Celtics. They didn't even make it. There. No, <laughs> no. But the, no, I know. I'm, I'm going to say yeah. the, the Golden State. I already said easy. I think yeah. they're going to win easy. Yeah. Uh, Golden State in six, Jim? Golden State in six. Huh? All right. Jimmy and I are talking All about right. That's why I hubba, wanted to be different. Hubba hubba, man. I got the producer. Our big Mahoff. last but not least topic of the day before we hit the rants. We got a good one here. Mike Trout versus Aaron Judge. This currently. is a good one. Two naturally elite players, something we've been hearing a lot. Judge is in a contract year. He very well could get $40 million. Um, let's compare them. And it's funny, Judge actually was offered like a 200 something million dollar contract by the Yankees in the offseason and said no to it. He bet on himself 
And now if he keeps his performance up, he could get $40 million a year, which is absolutely insane. So here are the 2022 numbers, Trout versus Judge, as of like a day or two ago. Trout, 319 versus Judge, 313 average. Pretty close, but Trout wins. On base percentage, 420 Trout, 380 Judge, Trout wins. Slugging percentage, 670 Trout, 690 Judge, Judge wins. Uh, I'll just skip forward a little bit. OPS, war, OPS plus, all favor Mike Trout. Basically, they're both having incredible years. Trout is still better, despite the fact that Aaron Judge is leading the MLB with 17 home runs. Uh, part of Judge's weakness is that he's, well, he's quite bad defensively, and he plays right field a lot. He's quite bad out there. And uh, that really hurts you in some of the up more more rounded stats. But even in just the, the big hitting stats, yeah, still not Trout edges him in almost all of them. He Trout, gets on Trout, base Trout, way Trout. more. Yeah. So career numbers, it's a joke comparing these guys. I mean, in the history books, Trout will be talked about forever as an all-time great, if not one of like a top five, maybe even top three, maybe even number one player. We don't know. Uh, Judge will never have that distinction. He never will. He's an extremely good baseball player, but Trout is a generational baseball player. And the career numbers show why. Every single category, batting average, OBP, slugging, OPS, OPS+, plus, war, everything you look at offensively favors Trout. Everyone. So we can move on from there. I mean, Close but no score. Yeah, I, I, I could give you the numbers, but they're so imbalanced that there's, it's a waste of time. Trout is better in every single basically offensive and category. have we said that one plays in Hitter's Park, Yankee Stadium, and Boyd? Yeah, yeah, well, that's why we looked at OPS+. Plus. Yeah. OPS, oh. see OPS plus. Oh, wait a minute, Matt. The Godfather just got spoke by the wind. Yeah, yeah. OPS I plus. I brought up OPS plus the first show, and everybody said no analytic numbers because no, of fans. No, no, this, this, this isn't WIP. This. Uh, OPS oh. plus measures your power, but scaled down to your ballpark. Right. So, um, basically, it's the true. higher number, the better. OPS plus for Trout is a 177 for his career. OPS plus for Judge is a 154 for great, his career. Trout's take. about 25 points better there. Um, and it really just shows Trout is the better power hitter. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, even just straight up OPS. Trout's I have higher. one take from that whole thing. How much of a bargain do we have with Harper? Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Large. I said that the day they signed him, everybody's, well, he's not Trout. I said, he's a couple years like Trout, but not consistently. But if this guy does become Trout-like, and he is now, he is unbelievably locked in right now, look at what we're paying him. Now, he's got to say, now granted, he's got the, the certainty of having in the next 10 years, but he's got to say $25 million when the big guys in baseball are now making 40 and then 50 did you happen to see the stat out this week that the Oakland Athletics total payroll is yeah. forty-eight million yeah. and Scherzer's making forty-three point five? Insane. Yeah, that's happened before, I think. Maybe not. All right, it's time for the rants. So, who wants to start us off? Go ahead. All right, my rant would be, and I think it's something we've discussed a lot lately and so forth, with all the relief stuff and everything, and. I could buy a little bit when Girardi the other night said he didn't want to bring in Alvarado because of the five right-handed batters in a row coming up. But when you found out later that Knebel went to him and said, I'm your closer, I'm ready to pitch. That really, to me, lost all credibility because everything's not written in stone. You have to go about the, the individual circumstance. Nebel could have pitched. I mean, it's easy to say, but he should have pitched that game and won that game. When Harper hit the home run to put him ahead 5-4, it was such a such a letdown. Exactly. I'm going to carry forward that rant, a similar topic, and just go Phillies in general. There are, there are too many disappointing problems for Phillies. 
Number one, their lineup. I've hit on that every week. And you know what? I'm going to hit on the Phillies lineup every week until Joe's fired or the lineup <laughs> yeah, is right. Keep stealing my thunder. Well, I will. <laughs> the bullpen, though, is another big problem, as, as Coach Aldous talked about. How about Harper? How frustrating must it be to be Bryce Harper? He is stepping up every night. It's like you look at the box score. Every game, it's like he has three hits. I mean, he is carrying this offense, and no one is helping him out. I mean, with, we an, are, with, with an injured elbow. With, with an injured elbow. Thank you. I mean, we are wasting these guys' year here. I mean, these years in Philly. In a couple of years, it's going to be 32, 33, probably on the decline. And we're wasting his best years of his career, probably, with no support, a bad lineup, a, a coach that won't let a guy throw more than two pitches in a game or taking him out. I mean, it's a disgrace what we're seeing here. Joe has to go. The lineup has to change. And Harper, just keep doing what you're doing because, my God, you're going to win another MVP if you keep it up. I'm just going to dovetail right on in there. Thanks for opening up the gate. Uh, he is the epitome of an MVP, the quintessential MVP. He's carried over from where he left off last year. People bring up the Atlanta series where he was 0 for 12. Give me a break. His second half numbers last year were Babe Ruth-like, and he's picked it back up with an injury. Um... The Phillies go out, and they give you Schwarborn left. And, of course, they didn't expect Castellanos to play right. But, you know, whatever. They said they were going to give Harper some nights off as DH, so you put him in there. Neither guy can play Major League Baseball defense a lick. I wish I could get this to the Phillies GM in their C-suite. How you brought in defensive liabilities. Hear me out. When last year you were 31st in baseball, in defensive measurements, be it defensive run saved, etc., you stunk last year and didn't make the plays in your zone. We got to stop looking at fielding percentage. They're the Ozzie Smith had a bad fielding percentage, best shortstop that ever played. Why? He got the 800 chances a year. The next great guy got the 600. So the Phillies corner outfielders are brutal. They throw to the wrong base. They always throw home and let the runner go to second. It's just. Why the Phillies didn't improve themselves defensively and in the bullpen and a little bit maybe on offense, it, you just can't make up. It, you need all the elements, Al, to win. That, that play the other day was a JT catching when he threw down a Segura at second. It went over Segura, past oh. whoever's playing shortstop, somehow got by Herrera. I don't know what even happened That was the there. crowning moment it, it for all things It is the nutshell yeah. of the yeah. Phillies' defense yeah. this year. That's not even high school ball. That, that's like no, the baby not. bashers at five years old ball. That was so bad. How about when you give up a 7-1 lead? How about when you don't throw to the right base from the outfield? You let it runners advance the trail runner Terrible. to second. Next guy gets a flare single. He should be on first base. Warper. It's it's you, terrible. Yep. All right. We, we're can, gonna, I, can I have a rant? Go yeah, ahead, Jim. Jim. I'm sorry. We forgot good. about Jim here. My rant is Bryce Harper. The Phillies are doing everything this guy wants to do. Yeah. They signed JT. Remember? Walk, hitting the home run and batting practice and sign this guy. It was a mistake. He wanted Schwarber. He wanted Castellanos. This are they listening to him, or are they listening to the scouts? I know we That's true. That's true. Schwarber, Schwarber, it's fun to, to, to poke on the guy because he's been bad this year and like he should be better in the four hole. But right now, he's doing so so pathetically bad that he's not even above, and he's, he's not even sub. an average. He's a, M yeah, he's, he's a, a rotation sub. player. He's a sub. He Joe, stinks right now. He's a rotation player. Okay, I text Bo, that to Bo. He's a rotation and, player. And Castellanos isn't far behind, although I have more faith in Castellanos to bounce back than Schwarber. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's a disgrace how they've built the team. No minor league system, and you, you've uh, underscored the bullpen numbers yet. They're playing 500 through this stretch, and if they can get through at 500, they're still in the hunt. Go figure, right? Yeah. I'm going to save it for next week. Let's see where Stotts is by this time next week because he's dangerous approaching hitting 100. By, by the and way, that's he, that's he, Harper's guy, you know. I know. Yeah, like they and, live. And, and I read the other day he only played like 78 yeah. games at AAA. And, that's you know, another guy they have. Uh, Kingery. Give him time. you got to give him some time. Harper has an affinity with, with him. Oh, what, what does that mean? <laughs> uh, they live close. That's all right. Go, yeah, so it's no, no, no. some of Bryce is going to feed off on the guy. Yeah. I think he's going to bounce back. But, no, he's feeling the pressure right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I your heart bleeds for the guy. You just want him to hit a double in the gap and get sure. that pressure off what his did, shoulders. What did Boa Taos last year up at Huntington Valley when he was sitting in the car? What did he say about sales? I don't remember. Not ready. Not ready? Yeah, not well, Boa called that one he for sure. That one. So far, called yeah. that one. All right. Yep. All right, guys. Well, hey, if you're listening to us, whatever time you're listening to it, I hope everyone has a great Memorial Day weekend. Wedding this weekend? My sister's getting married or my, my dad's here our sister lauren is not our sister you know i think you guys know what i'm saying here oh, we got a nice we got a nice wedding coming up this Good weekend guy. it's gonna She's be a fun time marcy family yep we got uh hope everyone has a great memorial day weekend check us out on twitter subscribe to the podcast if you don't because uh i want to make sure we get that we are speaking of sports podcast email us speaking of sports pod at gmail our website speaking of sports pod.com reach out to us any way you want, Once we are here. Again, 609-828-5569. I had two fans call me, uh, get a hold of me last week, and we've developed a nice thing. Uh, and I thank you, Mark, for that very much and a couple others. So um, don't be shy. Get a hold of us. You can call in, be on the show, express your opinion. We'd love to have you. Hey, we want to hear from the fans. So if you reach out to Chuck, he, there's a good chance. He, a, well, he's definitely going to get back oh, to you, yeah. and there's a good chance you're going to get some dialogue going on. And we want to get you guys on the show. We want to hear from you. We want to hear what you want to see, change, what you like, don't like, all of it. So, hey, reach out. Let, let, let's hear from you guys. And I hope everyone has a great weekend. Happy Memorial Day. And, um, and let me hope. say one thing, Chad. Great job. And, Ray, don't forget when George Gipp went out of the lineup, Mr. <laughs> Garrett replaced him for a long time. Just so I throw that out. Uh-oh. Hope Wally, hope your truck and you are having a wonderful Wally, day. Pip, George, Gip, what was it? <laughs> Enjoy your snorkeling, Ray. We missed you today, buddy. That's a wrap. <laughs>